the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Dan Prof Show. Switching gears, uh, going to Evanston, Illinois, where I lived for a few years when I was an undergrad at Northwestern University, uh, making news, national news, becoming the first city in America to actually set up a reparations fund for its black residents. This was profiled on Good Morning America. And, oh, by the way, it was interesting, too, as a quick aside, I I noted that uh, former President Obama was asked about reparations in a podcast he did with uh, the deep thinker Bruce Springsteen and uh, said, oh, he he met white resistance to reparations during his time as president. Really? Hmm. Met white resistance. So you were a supporter of reparations. That's something you wanted to do. You just met white resistance. You're president of the United States. Could have pushed through that white resistance, couldn't you have? I would think. I would think that most of the white leftists that populated his administration would have been on board. Legislative leaders? Dems? Really? It hadn't ripened yet? Well, why not uh, use your bully pulpit to make the case then if this was something that was on your agenda? Or is it more likely that being the intellectual lightweight that he is, the celebutante that he is and always was, that he is just trying to remain all courant and rewrite history so he can be down with the struggle of Black Lives Matter and his fellow Marxists in the present tense? Mm. Uh, back to Evanston, the uh, program they set up, $10 million fund, million dollars a year, funded by sales tax on marijuana, which according to Evanston elders, uh, whites and blacks purchase in roughly uh, equal amounts, and so it's equitable, the funding source, although certainly curious, sort of like gambling to fund schools. Uh, And uh, that money will be used to dole out $25,000 housing grants to eligible Evanston residents. Here is uh, the uh, architect of this reparations plan, uh, an alderman in the city of Evanston named Robin Rue Simmons, giving the uh, background to Good Morning America. This is my home. It's where I live. I love it. Uh, My people are here. This community was redlined historically. And that has come along with uh, damages that continue today. Resources were stripped away from the black community, and that stripped away um, a sense of place and wealth as well. We've been doing the work, and the work that we've done has not produced any relief in the racial disparities that we have. And it was appropriate that we do something radically different to make good on the commitment that we've made to the black community. And reparations was the next thing for us to do. Oh, yeah, obviously. When I introduced reparations in Evanston, it was always the first step of many to come. There is a lifetime of work ahead of me and my children to, for us to get to um, justice. 
for the black community. And I can't wait to celebrate the family that receives their first reparation benefit. I cannot wait for that day. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to be something that uh, promotes uh, equity, meaning equality of outcomes, not equality of opportunity, and uh, racial harmony, do you think? That's what, uh, that's what the sales pitch is, isn't it? So there's the predicate question of, is this a good idea? And then there's the, uh, the secondary questions about a $25,000 housing grant in a city that's uh, median home price is about 450 grand. Can you um, come up with 20% down? Because that has nothing to do with redlining these days, does it? Can you maintain the payments on homes like that? Or are you going to also sort of be continue to be de facto segregated in the western part of Evanston where most of the black residents are located. The segregation, de facto segregation, no longer under color of law, but the de facto segregation that exists in so many cities, ironically, so many cities lorded over by Democrats, like Evanston has been from time immemorial. All of this injustice that occurred in Evanston throughout uh, its history, like America's history, there's no question that racism existed. There's no question there were racist laws and racist cultural norms and racist policies. And Evanston has been dominated by the left for as long as I've been alive. So it's a bit of a struggle here to square the, exactly the argument that's being made about what has or has not changed and thus what does or does not need to be remedied. And uh, we'll pick up that conversation right after this. The more you listen, the more you'll know. This is, this is the Dan Proft Show. Welcome back to the show. We were talking about uh, the reparations program that has been launched in Evanston, Illinois, and this um, argument that is made by proponents of reparations and just the race hustle generally. On the one hand, uh, we still live in systemically racist America, these systemically racist communities where blacks are systemically discriminated against, even in Evanston, Illinois. But on the other hand... um, Those in charge are part of the solution. So this is where I have a a little time following the logic. Are things still the way they were in 1963 Selma? In 2021 Evanston? If they're not, tell us what's changed. And tell us why you persist on suggesting that 2021 Evanston is 1963 Selma. And to the extent that it is, that you want to take the alternative view that it is, then, well, who's been in charge since 1963 in Evanston or Chicago or New York or, for the most part, L.A. or most of the major cities in America that are dominated by Democrats? I mean, you can't have it both way. 
both ways. You're, on the one hand, um, we have this, uh, this systematic problem in, in present. On the other hand, you and your fellow travelers have lorded over these places that you say are systemically problematic. Hmm. Uh, maybe we should change out the leadership then if we've got the systemic problems uh, as a problem that persists. Uh, in addition to that alderman you heard from, who was the architect of this reparations program in Evanston, wanted you to hear from one of the uh, Evanston residents that uh, was interviewed by Good Morning America for this piece. He's a 98-year-old Evanston resident, a gentleman named Benjamin Gaines Sr. He's been in Evanston since 1959. That's when he uh, settled in Evanston. Here's what he had to say about the reparations proposal and the state of Evanston. The contractor, he said, so it's completely obvious that you find a lot anywhere in Evanston and I'll build whatever you want. Well, when he said that, he men in, in the black neighborhoods. It was just the way it was. And as we speak, in 2021, we still have these same types of problems. You have denied me all my 98 years. Hopefully, before I die, I'll see the world change. And get some reparations. And get some reparations, right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not so sure what a $25,000 uh, housing grant will mean for Mr. Gaines, but the larger problem, with all due respect to what he said, is he, these problems persist. There's the argument I mentioned. Okay, well, these problems persist under who? Under the, the socialists that have lorded over Evanston since I've been alive? Chicago land since I've been alive. Illinois for most of the time I've been alive. And half that would be about half the life of Mr. Gaines. And uh, my 98 years, hopefully I'll live, live long enough to see something change. I mean, again, respectfully, you haven't seen anything change in 98 years? To the extent you haven't, does that speak to what has or has not changed in America? Or maybe what has or has not changed in uh, the neighborhood in Evanston in which you live? But even I, I doubt even that. I mean, 98 years and the argument is nothing has changed in America? Come on. Well, that's just not the case, clearly. So why cling to that narrative? Because it's required in order to make the case for reparations, isn't it? We were treated shabbily for a long time, a long time ago, and nothing has changed, and, so, and, and nothing will change until we're conferred more. And so that's the posture we're going to take. Now contrast that with, say, Star Parker, who went from welfare to success as a single mom. She's black female. She uh, wrote uh, over at the Daily Signal on the topic of reparations. My ancestors were slaves, and my life as a young woman was a mess. Was my life a mess because my ancestors were slaves? I don't think so. My life was a mess because I lived a wanton wanton, irresponsible existence defined by promiscuity, petty crimes, and scamming the nation's well-meaning but totally confused welfare system to the greatest extent of my ability. Did I need reparations to turn things around for me? Certainly not. I needed a wake-up call, which, to my great gratitude, I got from a few church-going black Christians who told me the way I was living was unacceptable. 
I went to church, took back responsibility for my life, and turned my circumstances around. She adds, the problem with the idea of reparations is it redirects attention away from exactly where attention is needed, an individual's personal responsibility for their own unique lives. And, uh, of course, Star Parker stuck the landing there, and I think she has a pretty compelling background uh, to legitimize her viewpoint, make it pretty pretty um, powerful. And it goes to something we talk about over and over and over again when it comes to the leftist race huddle, race hustle, the identitarian politics of all of this. The removal of agency from the individual. You are not an individual. That's why you know words like individuals and and personal are stripped from the lingo of the left. You are not an individual. You're a member of a group, of a collective. You don't have agency, and thus you're either a member of a group that's been oppressed or you're a member of a group that's been an oppressor. And that's where the analysis ends. Whites were oppressors once upon a time. You're white today. You're part of that group. Blacks were oppressed once upon a time. You're black today. You're part of that group. End of discussion. So it perpetuates what? Victimization and at least the uh, uh, argument of oppression. Well, well, you need the argument of oppression in order to make the case for victimization, don't you? And this is the path of political power. This is what Shelby Steele and Bob Woodson and so many others have talked about for the better part of a half century. And it persists. It actually doesn't just persist in its form. It changes and advances, as you see with Evanston launching a $10 million reparations program. And you can be sure that won't be the last city in America to do so. This is Dan Prof. Podcast of the show at danproftshow.com.